You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to M Squared TechCast, a live internet radio show offering the latest news and interviews with the people driving business, technology, and politics in Michigan. Now, your hosts, Matt Rausch and Mike Brennan. Hey, it's Matt Rausch. And Mike Brennan. And we are back with a, another edition of the uh, M Squared TechCast today on General Election Eve. So, yeah, although the show's not really – last week we had a show that was more focused on the election. I wanted to get that out well ahead of time, talking about whether there was a cybersecurity threat and whether COVID-19 was going to dampen uh, the the, uh, the the folks coming out. I, I don't think that's the case. From what I've seen is uh, record turnout pre-election everywhere in the country right now. So. Yeah. Yeah, last yeah, for the midterms there were um, twenty million um, early absentee or whatever you want to call them mail in ballots uh, or dropped off ballots, and this time it's going to be more like you know a hundred million. So yeah, it's, it's going fantastic. to be. And of course, yeah. tomorrow yeah. is the actual. Well, for some states have been voting in person now for a while, but right. for we folk in Michigan, tomorrow is the day starting at seven a.m. I believe, right? Yeah, that's when they can start counting the ballots. And I know where I live here in Dearborn, I've talked to a city council person that I know and, and the city clerk who I know a little bit, and they have bought extra tabulating machines and, and hired extra people. So they swear up and down, they're going to be done with the AVs about the same time they usually are, which is 10 or 11 wow. o'clock tomorrow night. So they swear up and down, they're going to get a final result for Dearborn at least tomorrow night. So. Okay, well, we're going to have our next guest, Cassidy Norton Shockle, who we hope won't be swearing up and down. I'm just kidding there. So, uh, <laughs> I'll try and hold it down, Mike. Okay, good, good. All right. and, uh, she's going to be talking about the <laughs> Michigan Council of Women and Technology and then also her own show, Diva Tech Talk. So take it away, Kathleen. Thanks, guys, for the opportunity, as always. Tomorrow will be an exciting day. Um, I, I got the chance to meet now about 10 times our Secretary of State, Jocelyn Benson. Mm. And uh, I think we're at 2.5 million as of last Friday of wow. absentee ballots in, which, as Matt just pointed out, uh, nationwide, there's a record. We have our own record. But um, getting to Michigan... As you know, for 17 years, I've been a dedicated volunteer for one of the most amazing nonprofits here in the state of Michigan, dedicated to making Michigan the Silicon Valley of the Midwest um, uh, and the best place for women and girls to pursue their technology dreams. So MCWT has not let COVID uh, slow us down. And by the way, the name of that is the Michigan Council of Women in Technology, mcwt.org. Uh, we really are grateful to you, Mike, because you picked up our PR release a week ago. We, as every year, we do four or five very major fundraising events because we do so much for girls and women and we need to have money to do that. And uh, for the very first time, we did a virtual version of what I like to call the IT prom, which is the only black tie event we do every year. We always do it around the October, November timeframe. Uh, and this year it was called Embrace the Mission, Embrace 
the embrace the, the the moment. And in my mind, it's embrace the mission. Um, and it was sponsored by FCA, Fiat Chrysler, um, uh, under the leadership of their global CIO, who was a longtime MCWT leader and a dear friend of mine, Mampa Chamarthi. And we were able to raise $352,000 in a two-hour time frame. We ran virtually from five to seven. Uh, We had a great band. Uh, They were playing virtually. Um, People dressed up. There's a woman by the name of May May Russell. uh, And I'm going to just point to May. Uh, We did a Diva Tech Talk podcast of her about two years ago. And I had the good fortune to do that in my dining room. And May is an up-and-coming executive at Ford. Um, and heads parts of their mobility application development. She went from like two developers to 500 at one point. And she's definitely what I would call a, an amazing leader. And particularly for her age, because she's about 20 to 25 years younger than I am. So I'm always admiring of my friends, those at that age who are so well-developed. And May, we did this great thing where May and a few of her GM other executive women all dressed up the way they would have if they had gone to the black tie event and were tweeting and putting pictures of themselves out there. But we had over 500 people online. Um, we had such great attendance that some people got shut out. I just got off a, a phone a phone call with a friend who's a longtime MCWT supporter. And she's like, I couldn't even get in. But of course, she got her silent bid in. So we raised $352,000. And that is our last fundraiser of the year. Um, But as you know, we support a whole plethora of programs for girls from kindergarten on. And I'd like to talk about two major programs that are we're in full swing on right now. One is our website design competition. It's about a decade old. It opened up on October 1st and the deadline was November 1st. We always get easily 100 to 200 teams of girls in either middle school or high school who compete to be the best of the best in terms of website design. It's a three month total cycle to this competition. And this year's theme uh, for all the teams who entered as of November 1st is we've asked girls to design websites around three aspects of their lives and compare them to their grandparents' lives, which of course will be amazing. It's future shock, right, on a website. Not not only is it a great technical and technology um, educational experience for them, it also is an historical experience for them, right? They're going to have to interview and get the voice of the customer from their grandparents or or other folks around their grandparents. So it'll be really kind of cool. Uh, the virtual training for every all of the finalist team, all the teams that have been accepted, virtual training occurs this weekend, November 7th. So all applications have been in. They're being reviewed now. Everybody will get an email starting tomorrow or Wednesday. And typically the email goes to their coaches who tend to be faculty members and the girls themselves. Virtual training will will uh, get done and their their deadline for getting their websites in fully coded in HTML or whatever they choose, but it's probably HTML, uh, is December 1st. We will be announcing our finalists two days before Christmas on December 23rd and then the final presentations. And I'm not sure. I think they'll be done virtually. Um, will be January 16th of 2021. So it's always an exciting time when we do it in person, parents, grandparents, faculty members, just people in the community come. Uh, We've crowded Lawrence Tech's uh, auditorium a few times. As Matt knows, they often function as one of our hosts. We've also done it for Blue Cross, has been a host uh, several years running. Um, And this year, I'm not sure. Like I said, I think it's going to be virtual. 
Um, so put those deadlines, though, on your calendar. And if anybody had a team of girls and didn't make it in, go to mcwt.org and possibly will still accept applications. But it's always very crowded. So that's the first big program for the end of the year. The second one for our college age and graduate school age women uh, is our sponsorship program for their scholarships, right? Um, As you know, we've given away $1.3 million worth of scholarships thus far. This year, we have 43 recipients in 2020, and we'll be giving them several hundred thousand. So that $1.3 million continues to go up. uh, there's it, it's interesting. We we don't ask for a 4.0 GPA, although in years past, when I've announced like on a podium back when I was vice president of marketing for MCWT, we rarely had a woman who didn't have a 4.0 or better as her GPA. But actually, the requirements are that you have a 3.0 GPA in high school, that you are enrolled or about to be enrolled in a Michigan university or college and that you are enrolled in a technology curriculum, right? Um, We opened up applications October 1st. The deadline for applications is January 31st, so there's still plenty of time for college-age girls and women, mainly women now, right? They're over the age of 17. Uh, College-age women to put their applications in. And again, you can go to www.mcwt.org touch university programs and it's the very first program at the top of the list and the application is right there. So can I stop you for a second? What's the typical sure. scholarship? I mean, is a thousand dollars a year, okay. 5,000 a year. 5, uh, we also ha- in the past, if we've gotten word, cause we only have X amount of money, right? right? If we get to a certain point where we only have, where we've filled up all the scholarship spots for both grad, uh, graduate school and undergraduate school, we also do, we have, uh, People like Dell and HP have been big sponsors in the past, and we give people stipends for technology or actual real-life 2021 computers, right, that are donated. But most often it's stipends that are donated by either hardware or software companies to then supplement the actual scholarship program. Um, And 43 recipients this year all got that 5,000 and more. Okay. I was just going to say to Matt, do you know any schools that teach STEM education you could recommend, by the way, Matt? I just, we have every that. school in Oakland, Wayne, and Washtenaw County covered yeah. at this okay. point. This All is right. a 12-year-old program for us. Yeah. If you have them in some of the outlying counties, though, like because we have gone west, as you guys know, and mm-hmm. northwest, that's where we could use the help, Matt. But, for instance, we have every Dearborn school as an example, because I know you live close to there, covered. Mm-hmm. We have all of Oakland County covered. We have most of Wayne County covered. Uh, there, If there's a new school, like a new charter school of some kind, that may be where we aren't covered. But because it's a long-term program for us, we have those counties covered. Be enriched. Be more. At LTU, possible is everything. Salaries of Lawrence Tech grads are among the highest of any university in America. Plan a campus visit to meet with counselors, faculty, and coaches. Why wait? Find out more at ltu.edu. Hey, it's Matt Roush. Caught me reading there. And and Mike Brennan. And we're back with another segment of the M Squared TechCast. We have with us our friend today, Tamara Shoemaker, and she's going to talk all about cybersecurity and youth. Right. Sorry. And well, tell us. Tell us a little. Could could you hear that? Yeah. Okay. All right. You're on. In other words. So. Oh, okay. 
<laughs> cyber, the Cyber Patriot Program. Yeah, let's have at it. So we'll have. So um, I have a couple of things to talk about today. One is the NGA grant program that I've been working on all summer and fall. And that's um, at the state level. Uh, the state uh, applied for and got a grant with NGA, which is the National Governors Association. And we're, we're working on a project all summer and fall to do three things. One, to secure Michigan schools. Um, the second one is to make sure that the K-12 uh, uh, teachers have all the curriculum that they need to teach cybersecurity in K-12. And then the third pillar is to build future uh, cyber sec- uh, cybersecurity leaders and what that looks like and what they might need to be able to do those three things. And so we were real fortunate because this was um, a group of people that came from um, all of the stovepipes that normally would be working on these kinds of projects alone, and we're all working together. So there was the DTMB, the technical um, uh, uh, department at the state level. We had the Michigan Department of Education. We had Michigan Economic Department. We had LEO, Labor and uh, Development. So it was uh, the National Guard, Michigan State Police, and then us educators that were all involved in this. So it was a really great time to get, all get together and do all this virtually uh, over, over the summer and fall. All right. So you're uh, uh, you're getting some committees together, right? Talk about those committees. Right. So we had those three levels. So securing the schools and that was one committee and I wasn't on that one. Um, I don't have the technical chops to do that one. So there were some really cool people that were on that one. Um, there was a committee for um, getting together the cybersecurity curriculum and I was on that one and I was on the building the future leaders. And so the work that I've been doing on the cyber patriot thing sort of gave me an entree into being able to be one of their uh, subject matter experts in this thing, because for the last six years, I've been working across the state trying to get our teachers and our schools to get involved in the cybersecurity competitions. And um, I sort of think of that as kind of the gateway into cybersecurity education, right? So they start to teach it after school and they start to compete and people start to get interested. And then you start kind of backfilling with more information, more curriculum, more of that. But at the state level, what we're trying to do is make sure that they have those resources available. So we put together a, uh, a whole database of um, curriculum resources to try to help supplement the things that teachers have to try to do on their own. I'd like to assume, uh, oh, sorry, man. I'd like to assume uh, that people don't, under, they don't know our guests or their guest background. So why don't we stop right here and sure. explain what Cyber Patriot is, and then we'll go on from there. So, so I'm, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that I am the center director at the University of Detroit Mercy. And as that, we put together a coalition of community colleges and universities across the state that are all centers of excellence. And one of the uh, missions that we have is to make sure that we reach back into K-12 through education and make sure we bring them those kids up. We were also finding that we just were not having a pool, enough pool of, 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 of kids coming into the system for cybersecurity. And so it was another really great way to be able to do that. And so this Cyber Patriot is a national competition that's done from October until April. And um, it is about uh, securing a network, securing your operating systems, and good ethical behaviors in uh, cybersecurity. And at the end, it really just gives them a really good awareness training for cybersecurity so that they can keep themselves safe while online. And, and, so, that, and I'm sorry, but just ahead, one, one last ahead, thing. There, there, there's a gazillion jobs out there for cybersecurity Absolutely. folks, right? I mean, that's really what it's about. I, I lost track of the numbers, hundreds of thousands, a million. Right. Times. So there's usually the number is between four and 700,000 always at, at, at one point in time, um, depending on what's going on. And of course, 
unless we completely let our infrastructure die, that's only going to grow. Um, and right. so they're having a very difficult time placing those people. And so part of the problem that we have at the university level is getting enough information into them fast enough and getting them out onto the workforce. And so if we can get them to start in the grade school and in high school, and then they come to us a little bit more of a finished product, we can then finish that off and then send them out to the workforce a lot more quick, quickly and a lot more uh, educated than if we had to continue to um, only do that at the level of college and university. All right. So so you've had these committees uh, at work developing these things, uh, securing Michigan schools, developing a curriculum. Uh, what are some of the things the committee discovered about the uh, cybersecurity environment in education? Well, it's kind of a wasteland out there, right? <laughs> it's not quite as it's not quite as developed as we thought and as they thought, I think, to be honest with you, because I've been working in this space for quite some time. And my husband's been writing a ton of books in this area. And we've been working with nice uh the nist uh, framework with the national mm -hmm. security standards people at the at federal level and we sort of know that there's a lot of stuff missing in fact at the college level university level we only got a standard or a guideline sorry um a couple of years ago that actually said defined what the career was and what needs to be taught and so of course the stuff that's available for k-12 is hard to find right um, and so most of the things that we did find were one off. So it was like a course that you could use, um, but not a, a whole curriculum, right? Not a start to finish product. Um, some people have been out there doing uh, an amazing job for a really long time, like Cisco um, with its Net Academy and all that kind of stuff for NetSec. So they've been doing this for years and years, but there's not a real clear pathway. And that's part of what we are trying to make sure that we help them do is look at all the stuff that's available make sure that it's truly righteous stuff, and then make it available to everybody. Um, it, it's also a national imperative. So the national group is also working on it. Now, they've got many, many more re, uh, results than we did, but we wanted to make sure that when we put this through, that we've actually vetted all of them and that it was a clear cybersecurity product that was easy to get. You know, the other thing is that the digital divide hasn't gone away. Right. So, I mean, it's still alive and well. Right. And that's a problem. So the digital divide of, you know, people having access to the Internet, access to PCs, all that kind of stuff. That's another thing that's wrong. So we have right. stuff that's out there, but it's not necessarily going to be able to be accessed on. You know, sometimes a lot of kids have got Chromebooks now. A lot of schools have gone through Chromebooks. But some of these exercises and courses and things that they've got aren't compatible with that. So that leaves that hole there, too. So trying to find these resources and putting them all together and organizing them in a manner that teachers can pick up and run with has been a, it's been a challenge. You know, we've been in three and four meetings a week over this. Well, you know, the, the, the folks at, the folks at connected nation, uh, connected nation, Michigan have some really interesting maps on their website about broadband availability. And once you get past like 25 meg connections, it's, it's there's a lot of gaps in Michigan's coverage. You know, there's yeah. a lot of people that that can only get a 10 meg connection, and that's the best they can get. So right. some of this stuff, you know, some of this stuff has to be sort of pared down in terms of you know the volume and the resources to to be really usable by these people in certain urban and many rural areas. Correct. So that's the no, issue. and it's a big and it's a big problem. That's not going away. I mean, and that's one of the things. So I deal with the, the, all of the teachers across the state, right, with the cyber patriot thing. And, um, you know, I knew to sort of brace myself that we were not going to get huge growth this year, that we would be lucky if we just sort of maintained. Um, right. And we've done that uh, just because it's such a huge undertaking for our teachers right now to do 
online classes, blended method classes. Uh, you know, one day it's online, someday it's unperson, all the things that they're having to deal with and the digital divide of the students, right? Being able to have, does mom have a computer and does she have to work and use that computer? And also, you know, the kid has to go to school as well and, and all of that kind of stuff. And then when you get into, like you said, actual internet access and the speed of to doing these kinds of things that we're doing right now, it takes an awful lot of bandwidth. And so not everybody has that access. And so these are all things that are all happening kind of simultaneously. So I think the, the thing that does my heart good was that so many of the um, stoved pipe departments in the state are involved in this program right now and, and, and are clearly putting a lot of effort into it um, and working together on this. And so that made a huge difference to me and, and, you know, sort of being able to give up three and four days a week on, in meetings um, made a sense to me as long as it was everybody working real, real hard at this thing together, because if we're, we don't, we can't, we can't change how it's going to, you know, how things are going to be dealt with in the future. And how does a school that is not already participating participate? So we're going to have, we're we're having some webinars. So uh, upcoming, so there'll be a, first of all, there'll be an outwardly facing website soon that'll have all these resources on it um, and they can get involved more because one of the other things that we found were the teachers and the IT folks needed extra training, right? And so that needs to happen as well. So we can't expect you know, our poor IT teachers who sometimes are the social studies teacher and that was their first love and they got kind of roped into being the IT teacher, just sort of here's here's a bunch of cybersecurity curriculum, take it away. That necessarily isn't necessarily going to happen, right? So we got to get those guys the resources in you. So there'll be an out, out web face. But in, in between that, we have a really cool um, webinar series um, for the month of November. So for um, three weeks during the month of November, we're going to be getting together with folks that have an invested interest in this. So they can take a look at what we've done and they can help us maybe take the next steps and give us critiques. And, you know, from boots on the ground, we want to hear the feedback that about the work that we did. We don't want to do this in kind of stovepipe again. We don't want to do this that, you know, so that we're not getting any coverage and stuff. So we have those meetings that we can, um, that they can take part in. And then the last thing that I wanted to talk with you guys while I had the time was the to the Cyber Patriot. We did get folks to sign up again. You know, we have um, 40 cities. Really it's uh, I'm, I'm amazed because of what the teachers have been telling me about what their day looks like. I can't believe they're going to do this after school program still. And they are. So I've got 40 cities that need mentors. And um, I could really use the help from the professionals that are online uh, that, that that listen to MTech News and that read your newsletter and the, and and all of that that to, to give some of their time. Now is a better time than any because we are so virtual now, so you really don't have to worry about driving to a high school and or middle school and coaching these t- kids. You can just do it virtually. So um, if you go to our website, uh, it's uh, uh, micyberpatriot.com. Um, and and reach out. I can partner you up with the school. And again, it's whatever time you have to spend. If you only have one hour a month, great. If you have one hour a week, better. Um, but you know, whatever you want to put into this is going to make a huge difference in these kids' lives because they can see themselves in these jobs if they can talk to real people who are really doing these jobs and work through these problems and and learn more about cybersecurity. We, we need them to learn this. this they're going to be protecting our infrastructure. And so without them, we're going to be lost. 
And in some way, this could be a recruitment tool, could it not? Where Absolutely. I mean, that's the whole try it before you buy. I talk about that all the time, right? If you've right. got these kids and they're working with you, for instance, I've got some folks that are down at, at GE, right? So that are that work as mentors and coaches, and they're seeing what the culture at GE looks like. That looks like some some people work distantly, some people work from the office. They see what what the, the problems are and all of that because they're working side by side with them and they're sharing their work days and that kind of thing as mentors and as coaches. And yeah, that, that of course they they start to say, "Oh, that looks like a really great place to work." You know, I like that environment. I like the kind of things that this guy's talking about. And so, yeah, absolutely, it makes a huge difference. Again, they have to see that, right? These kids have to see that pathway, and and we are there to lead them that way. All right, we got about a minute left. So uh, once again, uh, tell folks how they can reach out to you. So again, it's it's uh, mi uh, cyberpatriot.com is my website. Um, and like I said, right now it's is the time to act. We our registration is all done. Um, the first round of competition starts November 12th through the 15th. But again, these teachers need your help. And so anytime you want to volunteer, you just let us know and then we'll match you up with this, with with these uh, these cities that um, I have. Can I read them off or do I have enough time? Uh, is, is Fred saying I, I, I tell you what, we'll, we'll put them up. We'll put them up on our respective oh, websites. Perfect. I've been I've been taking notes as you've been talking here. I'm going to turn this into a news story for my website, and and Michael pick it up on mitechnews.com too. I'm sure, Wonderful. and so we'll 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 try to get the word out through our two websites. Um, just a little bit of background: How long has the Cyber Patriot? How long has this competition been going on? So this is the 13th season, 13 years. Okay, wow. And it's a national. It's actually international, but I'm only concerned about the national one because you know that's where we live. And 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 since fair is fair, I talk about LTU all all the time. T- tell me your uh, your official capacity at U of D also. So I am the center director for the Cybersecurity and Intelligence Studies uh, Center, and and like I said, part of that is is doing the outreach into the high school and, and working with the Cyber Patriot in K through 12. So I'm pretty excited okay. about that work. Thank you. Yeah, we're 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 approaching cybersecurity a little bit differently at LTU. We're we're now developing a big computer lab in our uh, business college, actually. So it's going to be cybersecurity through the lens of a business college, which is how some places do it. Oh, well, that's mean, exactly it's, it's, how we started. Yeah, it's it's really interesting because at some places it comes out of the mathematics department, yep. and other places it comes out of engineering, and some places it comes out of business. So yep. yeah. Now, ours is out of the business school as well as a business uh, from top down, top down looking at it, not from the machine up. We have right, we thanks. have 13 centers across the state, though, so we're pretty fortunate. Michigan is really in this game, and so we're real fortunate to have all, as many resources as we do. Thank you. Okay. Thanks a lot, Tamara. Tamara Shoemaker from the University of Detroit and the Michigan Cyber Patriot Program. Uh, you're welcome back anytime at all. Uh, we'll be back in just a minute with another uh, episode, another episode, another segment of the of the M Squared TechCast. For right now, it's Matt Roush. And Mike Brennan. And watching at MITechnews.tv. What do you get at Lawrence Technological University? Everything. Great labs and studios, supportive professors, plus a full campus life, NAIA athletics, and all the software you need to succeed. Be smart. Be more. At LTU, possible is everything. Salaries of Lawrence Tech grads are among the highest of any university in America. Plan a campus visit to meet with counselors, faculty, and coaches. Why wait? Find out more at ltu.edu. Lawrence Technological University graduates earn a degree and a higher starting salary. In fact, when it comes to earning potential, the Brookings Institution ranks LTU fifth among U.S. colleges and universities. Be enriched. Be more. At LTU, possible is everything. 
Salaries of Lawrence Tech grads are among the highest of any university in America. Plan a campus visit to meet with counselors, faculty, and coaches. Why wait? Find out more at ltu.edu. Hey, it's Matt Rausch. And Mike Brennan. And we are back with our weekly segment on the M Squared TechCast with our favorite epidemiologist and infectious disease expert, Mr. Fred Brown. Uh, so, Fred, what's a good word this week? Uh, Michigan Actually, is there's a not a good word. It's a bad word, right, Fred? Well, yeah, I was going to say, Michigan is seeing a record number of cases. Wait, wait the, but, uh, but this all goes away tomorrow, right? I, oh, no, Wednesday. Absolutely. Wednesday, it all goes away. That's, I mean, that's, yeah. I don't have to anymore about it. Yeah, right. Uh, no, sadly, I think we're going to hear more about it more about it rather than less about it um, after, after Wednesday because uh, we've, uh, you know, we've we've got a big problem on our hands right now, obviously, and uh, we're not we're not the only one. But Michigan sadly stands out right now as far as its growth goes. We can go into some of the data if you want. I have I have some stuff if, if you're interested. Uh, or yeah, we can talk sure. about other, other, okay, I, I can show you some of the some of the things that we're looking at and concerned about. Well, actually, we're kind of getting into that phase you warned us about several months ago, where everyone's going back inside. And we're coinciding with the flu season and just all hell's breaking loose, right? So. And and we have way too many people saying, oh, I'm just done with this. Well, it's not done with you. you no. know? I mean, uh, the, the virus doesn't get tired. The virus doesn't get sick of things. You know, it's like <laughs> as it's says, virus. Lots... All it does is make more virus. You know, that's, that's job as... one and job only. Yes, so. as Fred says, there's lots of kindling out there, right? Unfortunately, yeah, we're only about ten percent infected right now. Uh, yeah, and some of the and some of the worst states, like and parts of New York City, were at twenty percent. But that's that's as bad as you know. That's as uh, that's as, uh, as 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 much kind of uh, uh, prevalence of people who have been infected and survived uh, that are out there for potential herd immunity effect. Uh, so yeah, we're, 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 we're way down on the kindling we're way, we've got plenty of kindling left. Let's just say that. I don't know if you can see this. Unfortunately, these guys publish, uh, their material in a very faint red and black. Uh, so I've, I've tried to, I've tried to, uh, improve it a little bit. Uh, <laughs> uh, but let's take, let's take a quick look at the, at first, the first big problem that we're having is we just don't test enough, um, to find mm-hmm. out, uh, let me put this on to slideshow. We just don't test yeah, make, it. Yeah, there you go. Make it as big as you can. That's a little easier to see. So, is that better? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, you, this this goes all the way back uh, to February, uh, and you can see that you know we 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 started out testing very very few people, and eventually we were trying to shoot for about fifty thousand people, or a zero point five percent rate of testing. And in order to control a virus like this that's so prevalent and so throughout the community, uh, we should be uh, at, at almost a an almost a nine percent testing rate. Um, so we're way off, uh, by, 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 by about a factor of 27, uh, if you do the if you do the math, in terms of number of tests do, done to, to surveil the community, find out where the where the virus is, isolate it, and be able to ha- lead a normal life. Uh, and that's a that's a been a big problem from the start. Uh, oh, I, I didn't mean to go up. I went to uh, be able to expose more of the view. There we are. So uh, basically, right now we're at about at 8.11 percent. I'm sorry, 8.11% positivity rate. Um, and that's, uh, that's getting up there. You know, that, that's getting to a point where uh, certainly if you're over 10%, it's, it's, it's dangerous to be uh, doing what you normally do. And at 8.1, we're kind of move and we're moving very rapidly. And, and this, this, uh, this effect where you see, you know, sort of slow 
uh, moving through, moving through, and then and, and then a sudden spike toward the end is what we worry about as epidemiologists because we, it isn't just a linear piece, right? It isn't just something that you know keeps climbing at a steady state like your roof does. It's something that builds up gradually and it multiplies. Biological systems they 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 move exponentially, so they go two, four, eight. 16, uh, 32, 64, and so on, uh, until when you get to, you know, 300, you think, oh, yeah, I've got plenty of hospital beds left. Well, the next day is 600, and the next day is 1,200, and the next day is, you know, and then you realize, oh, my gosh, we're out of control. Um, uh, so that uh, so that's what you have to look at as the future, as the future, not at, at continuing to, um, uh, to extrapolate the past. Because um, that's the way it gets ahead of you. So anyway, you can see that our positive rate was of almost five thousand positive cases per day now, uh, and, yeah. and that's a, that's a big number when you're talking about you know a, a group of only ten million people, uh, and uh, and we're doing about fifty thousand tests. As I said, we should be you know uh, up at about you know over twenty times that eight hundred thousand eight hundred fifty thousand tests a day. So that's a big problem. We're trying to improve that. I guess uh, Mr. Biden said he wants to double test capacity, which pushes up to 100,000, which would mean we're only, you know, <laughs> we're, we're, we're a little bit better, but we're still about 10 times less, 10 to 12 times less than we should be. So um, that's the testing. And that, that generates the, the data that I'm going to show you. That's why I wanted to show you this. And that is one of the things we worry about is the, is the RT, which is the, uh, which is the amount that um, R is the reproductive rate, and T is the amount of activity that reproductive rate is showing. So the, the and, and and whenever you get above one, it means that every time you reproduce, you reproduce more than yourself. So at this point, we're reproducing for every generation that we currently produce a virus, we're reproducing now 1.2 uh, new new viruses. Uh, and you can see how that's going to get out of control very, very rapidly at uh, 1.2, 1.5, 1.6%. 1. Then you're going to start looking like Arizona was in, in, in uh, to give you a sense of this, you know, you only need to get to 1.5%. Um, uh, I'm sorry, 1.5 1. RT rates. Uh, and you'll, and you'll start looking a lot like Arizona was uh, uh, in, in their peak or what Florida looked like in their peak or what Texas looked like in their peak. I think in, in their peak, New York is at 1.6, 1.7. So we're getting, you know, unfortunately close uh, to where we were kind of around Memorial Day. Uh, and then we put that under control. Governor Whitmore came in and said, no, let's control that more. And so that's going to be, uh, you know, I think likely to happen again. And she's put out, you know, a, a warning indicating we now have to indicate what restaurants we're eating at if we're going to sit down and eat. And that's because when we've done a study recently, uh, we looked at 804 people who came down with COVID. And the, what we did notice uh, in that in that was that, um, they were. If you came down with COVID, you were two times more likely to have been a reg, uh, to have been eating inside in a restaurant, uh, and so that really is correlated with uh, COVID cases uh, in and in that particular cohort of, of of groups that we looked at pretty carefully what their behaviors were that caused uh, their COVID to occur. We think that. It's about two times more likely to get COVID if you're sitting in a restaurant. And it doesn't matter how much plexiglass is around you. It really matters how much ventilation you've got around you. Mm. So even those protective barriers aren't that, aren't that helpful. And, of course, you've got to take off your mask in order to put food in your mouth. And that's challenging. In China, they actually have regulations about how you can lift your mask and put food in and push it back down again. <laughs> but we don't do that uh, to that extent here. Um, uh, you can see that we're, uh, we are out of you know, 50 states uh, and D.C., so 51, we are uh, basically the 11th worst. 
uh, in the country as far as reproductive rates and controlling the virus's reproduction and, 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 and in control of the virus. Because once this starts to go higher and higher, then you're more and more out of control. Uh, so we look at the RT rates uh, and RT live rates. And this is all from uh, a website called RT Live. And uh, we look at basically seven uh, comparison between four day running averages uh, every every seven days to see how much uh, uh, the, the reproductive rate has increased in each cohort we look at. Um, so I, I put this up here because I because it's important to understand what we're looking at as epidemiologists. And this is Germany. Uh, Germany on June 5th was about 300. And then they had one doubling rate to 600 by July 22nd. At that point, they were still in control. They were still much less than 1% positivity rates at this point, right? Uh, you're kind of down in, in the single digits per, per 100,000. Um, that took six weeks for that doubling to occur. The next, the next cycle took five weeks for doubling to occur. and went from 600 to 1,200. And the next doubling after that took only four weeks to occur. And that went from 1,200 to 2,400. And now we're at two-week cycles, and they're going from 10,000 to 20,000 to 40,000 to 80,000. Now, now we have some concerns. And that's why Angela Merkel got <laughs> you know, the prime minister, uh, uh, the chancellor of Germany, got up and said, um, we don't want to shut down, but certain states are going to have to. Because uh, you, if you don't have what they call a circuit breaker effect in some regions, it will just go like that, and it'll start whipping around until you're getting doubling rates in less than a day. Uh, so if you got enough kindling there, so uh, you know, and that, that that really moves your curve fast. And so they got they're they're very concerned, and Germany is actually in better control and in better testing situations uh, than France and Spain. But don't don't forget, these guys are still down at less than three percent, about around three percent positivity rates. So we're at eight point five percent, and they're and they're you know <laughs> positivity rates. So so we're we are about four times worse than they are to start from a starting point in terms of positivity rates. And they're about 30% better than we are in terms of complying with distancing, stopping, you know, slowing down your social mobility, using masks. So that gives you a sense of just how fast this can go, even in an area that's pretty well controlled when you start from a low rate. And Michigan started from a low rate compared to the rest of the country, right? I mean, we, we were surrounded by states that were at a much higher rate than we were. We kind of saw them lining up on the border there for a long time. I think I showed you that graph showing all these states that are on the border of Indiana and Ohio and Illinois and Wisconsin. They All those border counties were, were kind of turning orange while the rest of the state was pretty white and yellow. And that's because we're a peninsula, we're sort of lucky. But now that it's taken hold, it's, got, it's broken through, uh, our numbers are looking like this. And I'll show you what uh, how that compares to Germany in a second. But basically, you know, in the last couple of weeks, we've gone from 2,000 new cases a day to, you know, close to 4,000 cases a day. So you can see that we started at around 500 cases a day. Uh, and in three weeks, we went to 1,000. And in three more weeks, we went to 2,000. And... Uh, in the last two weeks, we've gone to almost 4,000. And so we're starting to get to that point where we're starting to take off. Now, I, I think we're going to, uh, with, with, with the new rules, we're going to come and just bounce along for a while at around the 4,000 days per rate. But I think by Thanksgiving, we'll be close to, you know, slightly after Thanksgiving, we'll probably be at around 5,000 cases a day. And when we get to Christmas, we'll be even higher, we'll be even higher than that, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And now you a, would you, let me stop for a second, Fred. You were predicting a couple of weeks ago that the holiday, actually from a 
from beginning of November until the beginning of the new year, it's going to be another 200,000 cases. Are we still on, not in Michigan, but overall in the country? Is yeah. is that what we're doing or? Yeah, we're going to be, at, we're going to be, at, uh, my, my estimate was I think 312,000 cases uh, by the end of the year. And I'm still, uh, and that, that, that number is still pretty Three, good. So 300,000 new cases a day. Uh, no, no, uh, I, I'm oh, sorry, okay. 300,000 deaths, uh, 312,000 deaths. Oh. Oh, 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 so this okay. is cases per day, and, and cases, um, you know, right. it was deaths, not cases, death. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. that was deaths, uh, which yeah, is. Yeah, but I, but I know, I know, we're close to a hundred thousand new cases a day in the country now. Where do you think that's going to go? It'll double. It'll be a two hundred thousand a day by the end of the year. Wow. In that range, yeah, isn't that shocking? I'll, I'll show you that in, the, in a second why we think that. Um, I've actually projected for the country, sadly, and. Doesn't look doesn't look great, uh, just because of the way this virus works. Um, so that's sort of the that's sort of you know the way the way it's the way it's uh, looking right now. And this is how Germany looks over over Lane. And you can see Germany is a country of eighty million people, um, uh, but it's still quite similar in terms of you know we, we went we went up. We didn't know how to control it. We, went, we finally got in control. We went down, uh, and now. Uh, and now we're we're, we're peaking. We're, we're starting to peak back, peak back up, um, and um, yeah, it looks very similar to the curve of, of, of Germany. And uh, Germany uh, is now doubling every two weeks. We're doubling every two to three weeks, uh, and so it's just a matter of a little bit more time of, of no control. We'll be down to a two weeks two week cycle. I'm hoping that with Governor Whitmore's recent you know level level four uh, recommendations that we will you know be able to control it at around the four to five thousand, but if, if we if it if it fails, even if if it does work by by Thanksgiving, I think we'll still be at five thousand. And if it fails to control behaviors, uh, we'll be at five thousand. You know, in, in the next uh, three weeks, yeah. Hmm. So uh, a little uh, a week earlier than we would have otherwise uh, been. So that's the sort of the way it looks. And what we're worried about is that doubling rates. Here is what doubling rates by county, uh, and this is what Michigan looks like today. Uh, and you can see. Uh, you know, where 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 it's safer, where it's uh, less safe, and basically, um, you know, the the believe it or not, the numbers, the, the the biggest numbers are Grand Rapids and the Greater Detroit metro area, not Ann Arbor, but but uh, Wayne, Oklahoma, Macomb, are the areas that are going to have the highest numbers. You know, they're they're sort of at each of those uh, counties are about 250 new cases a day, and they'll double. Uh, in the next three weeks, so uh, that and that that means a, a lot of large population. The worst places from a percentage point point of view actually uh, are are up in Marquette uh, and in, uh, are in the more rural rural areas. Interestingly, and they're really experiencing a lot a lot of growth. Um, and that's going to you know unfortunately those hospitals up there uh, are not quite as well equipped uh, as they are down here for that kind of a surge to hit them. Um, but uh, you know, we're, Boy, we're it, it sort of looks like a, it sort of looks like a good time to build a log cabin in Alpena and hunker down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, we're so. I don't know if you remember the slide I showed you before, but it showed basically that we are the closer you were to Canada, the better you off you were up, up, up in this area, and and that yeah. you know, we're watching the whole virus sort of slide up the state, right? Just just zip. Right up, right up the state, and you know these. Yes. these you're right. Alpena is the best right now, uh, but it's it's just a matter of time, and it'll get there. 
Uh, just move. Yeah, speaking. Yeah, I was going to say, speaking of building a wall, I think Canada is going to build one pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they'll pick you up and, and toss you back out again if, you, if they find you as an American. They're 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 way down. I mean, it's it's literally twenty five times less dangerous in Canada than it is in the United States. Yeah, it's uh yeah, <laughs> not so good. I'll show you how. So I'll show you quickly what the whole United States looks like, and you can see that you know Michigan. Uh, is one of the worst because we started at a lower rate. Our doubling rates are now taking off. It's easier to double from 100 than it is to, to if you start from 1,000, where uh, some other states were. So we're we're really taking off compared to the rest of the country. Ohio is having a huge amount of trouble and uh, right now as well. And then you got North Dakota and South Dakota. Uh, uh, and, and looks part- like uh, looks like upstate and central New York too. Yeah, upstate New York is having a big problem right now. Yeah, yeah, it's really out of control. Parts of and parts of Western uh, Pennsylvania too are really about the county where President uh, Trump was the other day. It's, it's in Allegheny County. Those counties are really hurting uh, right now uh, from a COVID standpoint. And then New Mexico. So those are the areas that are that are really on fire, and we're we're right along with them. You know, we're we're one of the uh, states that really is going to be doubling. Uh, you know, sadly, uh, more you know, rap, rap, rapidly. Well, yes, I guess I'm back to shopping online. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, buy, buy stock in Amazon. They'll be doing well. Uh, yeah, sadly, no kidding. Sadly, um, I hope our, our, our local community, uh, you know, I, I love a lot of our local community shops and I'm trying to do the best I can to keep them going. Uh, so you know, it's good if you can spend money there, but uh, uh, but try, try to order over the phone if you can. <laughs> so that that's sort of what what the doubling times are looking like, and this is what the U.S. looks like, right? We're at 100,000 now, we're just just under 100,000. Today we'll probably be over 100,000 now, just from a data standpoint. And you you can see the doubling times. You know, we went from took about from 20,000 took about six weeks to get to 40,000, another two weeks to get to 80,000. At that point. We got we that, that at that point, the Sun Belt was really on fire. I don't know if you remember that, but you know Arizona, Texas, Florida were really having trouble, and so they actually clamped down and pushed this number down. Overall, though, we can the whole United States has continued to ramp up, you know, at a slow rate with some pockets of of of, of sudden infections. Well, now we're at uh, at nine one. We were uh, first September. We were right around twenty five thousand. So let's see, say that's the new baseline, right? And now it took, took six weeks to get to 50,000. Now it took two weeks to get to 100,000. So the whole U.S. is really starting to take off uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a dangerous uh, way. And I think um, it's likely to be less stopped than what Michigan will be. I think Michigan will start to you know, hunker down and be sort of wobbling uh, for, for a few more weeks until it starts taking off in Thanksgiving. I think the United States is going to look more like this. And you can see a couple more weeks of around 100,000, and it's just going to start, just like you saw in Germany, it's going to start to t- just start to tear off. Uh, what, is that, what is the death rate per 100,000 now? Where is that approximately? <laughs> You know, uh, it, it'll be at around it, it'll be at around one one percent. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Sadly, for every hundred thousand cases, you're going to get a thousand deaths. A little bit more. more. Yeah, a little bit more. <laughs> uh, it, uh, what what really it depends on is whether your hospitals get overrun. If they don't have enough ventilators, if they don't. If they start to have to t- turn people away at the door, transport people away, don't have enough capacity for the for for the COVID uh, people, it, then then it could go up to even four thousand deaths per hundred thousand. Five. Well, I was- I, I was telling someone this morning, my existential dread level is in a full five Kafkas. I don't think you've done anything to assuage that. 
<laughs> yeah, the, the problem is when the hospital get overrun. The hospitals get overrun. I don't think it's going to happen until we get to you know quite a bit more than that. I, I think generally, if you're uh, you know we'll, we'll, we'll be we'll be uh, kind of okay at two hundred thousand deaths. Um, if we went to you know. Uh, if, I'm sorry. If, if we went to, if we were at say five million, uh, five hundred thousand uh, new cases a day, at that point, we would really have troubles. We, we would the really whole, the whole country would be overrun, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but it, it, as it is now, it'll be parts of the country overrun, and hopefully, you know, right now, for example, they're they're sending people from South Dakota to Montana, things like that. So they're trying to balance things out. But if the whole, but at, 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 at about five hundred thousand deaths, you 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 would overrun the country. And then you're talking about death rates like we saw in Italy, which were at 14 times um, the normal average of 1%. Yeah. I know you don't consult with Michigan, but if you were going to recommend something to <laughs> Governor Whitmer, what would you recommend now? Well, uh, there, 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 there are three things that we've got. There are three tools that we have that work. The first tool that we have that works uh, is PPE, and I'd recommend that we try to get as much N95 PPE as possible, and we have a, ma- a mandate for people wearing masks in public that are N95 quality and level. Uh, you know, no more manufacturing masks in your basement and, 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 and no wearing masks that don't really work, uh, as well as they, 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 all masks work to some extent, but N95 really does work that much better that it's worth it for us to get that level of masking. Second uh, big thing is testing. I, I would recommend at least multiplying the number of tests you're doing by a factor of five to ten, at least mm-hmm. at a minimum. If you want to really control this, understand what the virus is, and right now that's hard to do, but that's what that's they have to do. And that, that would mean centralizing the testing labs and allowing a lot more, um, and seeing if you can't get you know the F, push the FDA to start allowing home testing and, and things like that. Uh, and um, the the last big uh, area. Uh, that works is is, mo- is mobility, and so you'd have to think about actually trying to reduce, trying to get people to reduce mobility, uh, especially from state to state. Uh, Illinois is, is has, has an awful lot of, of COVID in, in in that state. Indiana had and, bro- and brought it over to us in Ohio as an outbreak right now as well. So I would try to, because we are a peninsula, we've got a chance of doing things a little bit more aggressively uh, than other states have, and, and it might be time to actually think about trying to think about those things. Uh, what she's done with regard to, um, you know, uh, uh, having only six people at a restaurant, I think is 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 really proper right, right, right now. We see a big drop off when you have at, at 20. So uh, gatherings of more than 20 tend to have uh, a component that uh, allows super spreading to occur. So I would have not allowed 50. I would have, I would have said, you know, maximum 20 funerals, weddings, everything else. I'd max, I would have maxed them out at 20, not, not at 50, <laughs> but you know, that's the right direction. And for a Thanksgiving gatherings, and that's coming up rapidly, uh, people are still going to gather. What would be the maximum headcount you would recommend? Well, um, it depends on wh- where it is. If you can, if you can have it outside, uh, then you, 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 and, and not have people too, too, too close to each other with, with uh, nice burners and, 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 and uh, you know, uh, heaters. I think uh, you, you can get away with twenty. I think if you're having it inside and you got more than six, and they're not people from the same family who are regularly, regularly con- congregating, you're taking a chance. Hmm. Yeah, I, I turned down a Thanksgiving invitation because two of the people that were going to be there have been seen a lot on social media like at bars and restaurants and stuff like that i'm just like nope <laughs> not a good idea if, if, if i knew you had been really careful i might have come but uh, nope no thank you you know it's like 
I, I, you know, I, I like them and everything, but I just don't think it's real smart to be going, you know, to a lot of the coffee shops and bars and restaurants these days. Yeah, there's there are other great ways of seeing people. I mean, you can still you know, have a nice walk with someone outside, and you know, it's a little bit on the cool side. But you know, if you want to get together, that's a great way to do it. Uh, I, yeah. I would. <laughs> wouldn't do it at, a, at, a, at a sitting down at a dinner table, unfortunately, or at a foot, over a football game. Uh, well, yeah, especially when you're going to be, yeah, you, you're not going to just be there for, you know, half an hour for dinner. You're going to be there for hours on end. So, mm. you know. Yeah, football, when you get all excited and, you know, shout and cheer. And, uh, yeah, that's. Uh, well, it's the Lions. Come on now. So. <laughs> or, or Michigan. We don't shout and cheer for Michigan anymore because they don't. Oh, oh, hey, there's one more thing I want to show you guys. Not going to bring that up, honest to God. <laughs> there's there's one kind of super spreading spreader event that's occurring, and that's voting. And um, okay, oh, yeah. Yeah, let's it's talk tomorrow. about that. We got about, yes. we got about yes. five minutes left. So okay, yeah. let's go through it quick. First, if you can do it absentee, it's better. Uh, you can still pick up your absentee ballot for another couple of hours, and you can drop it off tomorrow afternoon at, by eight p.m. It'll all count. So try to do that if you can. Be sure you sign the envelope though at the return envelope. That's that's important. And be sure you get it in a drop box to the cl- county clerk's office. Um, uh, before before 8 p.m. tomorrow. Would you recommend people wear the uh, the the hospital gloves, the real tight hospital gloves tomorrow? Uh, if they, if you've got gloves and you know how to put them on and off, yes. Uh, but sure to wear wash your hands after you take them off, though. Yep. Okay. I, I I think that you make sure that you want to decrease your time as much as possible, right? So know what your so know all the rules, bring all the identification with you. Uh, uh, try to you know increase your availability option by by being registered. If you have got to go to a county clerk and register, you're going to be there for a lot longer time, and you're going to be stuck at that at that voting booth. If you're registered already, you can start to uh, increase your options. Come with a whole kit. Bring your hand sanitizers. Bring a black pen with you. Don't use their black pen. Bring oh, two masks just in case fine. one gets wet if it's raining out. <laughs> bring your wipes. Bring all every all the docs that you have to repair, like your identification, sample ballots, all the registration work. Have that all ready to go so you don't have to f- fiddle around, take off your gloves, everything else. Vote when it's less busy. Mid-morning is the best time to vote. Don't take your children. You know, uh, children are spreaders. <laughs> and you're going to have to run around ke- keeping a track of them. Uh, so arrange some support if you can for home. Keep aw- away from everybody. Six feet all the time. Don't let anyone come close to you guys. Um, wait wait out outside as long as you can. And then enter the uh, and enter it, enter the po- polling area and vote as fast as you can. Um, and uh, know who you're going to vote for in advance. You'll check out the ballot, know what you're going to vote for, check it all in as fast as you can, and get out of there fast because all that COVID sort of hibernates in buildings. Once it gets outside, it'll it'll be harder for it to transmit, as you know. If you have to use transport, there are a lot of buses and, and things. You try try to go with the Uber or a cab instead. Keep your windows open. Keep your hand sanitizer with you. Wipe down things. Keep your mask on all the time. Uh, if you have to go on a bus. Um, uh, the same thing. Try to keep the windows open. Keep six feet away from everybody else. Open the windows. Always wear your mask. And again, um, if you have, to, if you bring your sanitizer, make sure it's seventy percent. I know they say sixty percent, seventy percent as a as a ten times better kill rate. So use use a seventy percent if you can. And even if you're using hand sanitizer, wash your hands. And if you are positive, if you are positive for COVID, you can still vote. Just uh, they have got special provisions for you. Go to the people up front and say, I've got COVID or I've got symptoms or I was exposed. I'm in isolation. You know, what, what are your special precautions that I need to take? They'll let you know what those are. If you're disabled, you also may have a, a, a you know, an expedited way through, through the line. Make sure you notify the uh, election agency, uh, election workers, you know, when you arrive. And then maybe they'll let you go through a little bit faster. Uh, and uh, that's about it. All right, so we're going to have to leave it at that because I know Dave's got a hard stop at three. So, uh, Matt, take us out. All right. Well, thanks once again, Fred Brown, for 
a ton of informative uh, talk on the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, hopefully, we'll lick this thing soon, um, and maybe next time we can uh, have a virus update or a, a vaccine update. Oh, what's so, the deal? I'll be happy to. All Good right. So, okay. For right now, it's Matt Roush. And Mike Brennan. And you've been watching the M Squared TechCast on a podcastdetroit.com and mitechnews.tv. Thanks for listening to M Squared TechCast, a live internet radio show offering the latest news and interviews with the people driving business, technology, and